Welcome to Intercom and Product. Today, as always, I'm joined by Des Trainer. Hey, Paul. And we're going to talk about the future of customer service and specifically about how automation and humans will work together in the future, how AI is changing things, and even things like how we believe the majority of questions in the future may indeed be answered by AI and not by people. And so let's start, Des, with the facts. Could you kind of outline where we're at today? Yeah, where we're at today is that, you know, November 30th, ChatGPT launched. A few weeks back, GPT-4 launched. It's been like a step change in AI, full stop. How has that applied to the customer service industry? I think there are now bots today, our own bot, Finn is one example, that are capable of resolving a huge percentage of customer issues instantly with zero training. And that has like groundbreaking implications for what customer service is about. The zero training piece means you just point it where it needs to read. The instancy, meaning it's much quicker than a human, it doesn't need to type, you know, it's a bot. And then the percentage can kind of vary, like, you know, it depends on like how complex their business is, et cetera. But we've seen anything from like 10 up to like 60, 70% of like, you know, total resolutions. And that just changes the workload. It also changes the areas of investment and how you should think about what the field of customer service is about. So I think that's where we are. And we can, you know, we can try and pretend that like that stuff isn't true, but that's the reality of the CS industry today. Yeah, you mentioned a chat GPT launch, you know, back last autumn. And I think that that to me personally was the big one. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to that, of course, we've been building bots, designing bots for many years, like 2016, 2017, I think was our first kind of foray into launching bots. And we've seen them used for all sorts of different types of things, you know, sales as well as customer service. But up until now, there's just a lot of friction to get them started. Yep. You know, you have to set them up yourself, all sorts of different things. And it's interesting for us to reflect on even just how we run the company, how we build product, how we work with our support team, all sorts of things have changed. It's really, it really feels like a transformation. It's felt like a transformation internally in here and how we work and think for sure. Do you think there is some inevitability here? Like, you know, the march of tech is, is AI taking over? Yeah. I mean, I do. It's not always comfortable to talk about that, like, because it's easy to talk about the industries that aren't yours, but I, I believe like AI could come for the product management job. I believe it can come for the engineering job. It's not, it's not just one. We just happen to sell a product in a certain area. That's where we think about it most. Generally speaking, if you ask yourself, does tech tend to stop at like arbitrary, you know, limits? Like, will it stop at 10% end resolutions or will it stop at the door of product management and not go inside? No, tech never stops. Will it get faster or slower? Faster. Will it get? More accessible or less accessible? More accessible. Will it get cheaper or faster? Cheaper. You know, there's pretty good precedent for exactly what's going to happen here. I do think there's a deep inevitability about like how it'll upend every industry, including customer service. I don't believe it'll displace everything and every human. We firmly believe in the idea of like it'll be automation plus humans. But I do think it will be difficult to overstate how significant this change is. I think so too. That like I feel this is again, like I said, a kind of transformation. It reminds me of other types of automation in the past. You know, not everyone who's listening works in customer service necessarily. Mm-hmm. And other examples come to mind for me, like say the advancements in automation in cars. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, cruise control, setting the speed limit, taking your foot off the accelerator. That's around like what, a decade, decades. And now we've like assisted steering. There are self-driving cars. That's felt like a pretty gradual evolution. You can kind of track it as it's going along. Each new car you get seems to be better than the last one in kind of small, but also significant ways. This is different to me. This is a rapid transformation. 
And I think a lot of people, I worry a lot of people will assume it will be slower than it's going to be. But they do have like genuine reasons to, I guess, fear, for want of a better phrase, fear the technology and find reasons why they would hope that the progress will be slower. So what do you think that, you know, from talking to our customers, what have we heard as the biggest fears people have? Yeah, I, I think your point about the speed here is is quite relevant. Like, you know, we've always seen those charts of like, did you realize that like, you know, YouTube got more popular than the home television or something like that. And I'm always like, yeah, because clicking a link is a lot easier than going to the store and buying a television. It's a lot cheaper too, right? And I think there's, there's a version of that. Like most people, like I think people replace their cars probably every seven years or something like that. So even if a groundbreaking piece of car like tech is released today, it won't be like commonplace for at least a decade, right? Whereas, and then specifically, like, you know, cars really only affect the motorways and the roads, right? The difference with AI is like, I think it's going to be like, you know, distributed very quickly across the entire internet and it'll affect every single industry. It doesn't like, you know, it won't wait outside to be invited in, in a sense, right? So I think you're going to see it like kind of, you know, there'll be a kind of a tectonic shock to like the world uh, when this is finished. What are the actual genuine sort of scary pieces? I think the the biggest one people come back to is like, what about the humans or what about jobs, right? Like what about employment in the sector? Like, you know, there's, you know, we've seen figures, people estimating like that, like AI could, displaced 300 million jobs within a year I've, I've seen that figure from one of the big you know for research firms i can't remember which one and i think like they're like valid concerns and the orders of magnitude are probably like reasonable it, it sounds like a very big number but as i said like you know we're at a time when people can access this tech immediately like i think ChatGPT has 100 million users already that does not mean and this is an important point for later that does not mean 100 million people have somehow like automated away a load of jobs or whatever uh, it means that it's that this technology is augmenting the lives of 100 million people already. So, but I do think, like, say, the nature of say employment within the CS world for us changes. I think we've heard that from folks. The org chart changes. The areas of investment change. Like, you know, in a in a post say fin world, things like knowledge management are really important relative to say like frontline support. Because frontline support, like the, the types of issues that they deal with will actually be more complicated because by, you know, the simple stuff gets resolved now. So I think like your org chart changes. I think your, you know, like the, maybe the size of your team or certainly the shape of your team changes, where your team uh, focuses its efforts, how you measure and manage them, all that will change kind of irreparably. And like, just to be really clear, like fear is often warranted because like, it's just, it's, it's messy to go through all that change. It's like, you know, it's hard. Like, you know, think about any single, like simple reorg you can have a bit of anxiety about, oh, how do we land this? Now think about the rework like, oh, like you'd have to do for something like this. It's it's gargantuan in comparison. The other areas I think that, again, there's justified fear slash skepticism around is like the customer experience could get worse. It also could get better, right? But I think, you know, I can imagine circumstances where, you know, you're dealing with a pretty, you know, high taxing, high emotion situation and you get like chirpy, you know, botty to bot bot in ju- jumping onto the screen to try and help you with your stuff. Like, hey, want to buy a coffin? You know, like it, do- it doesn't work, you know, like so like there are opportunities here for a significant like mismatch. How would you say it? Right. But then the flip side, I could argue to the right sort of say, hey, what if you really, really need something done immediately? And this thing replies in 0.2 seconds when you would have been waiting like 45 seconds. That's a far better experience, too. But I think like, you know, there's a lot of justifiable anxiety or what you used to refer, refer to as anxiety. This idea of it can be exciting, but you can also be pretty scary. And I think 
Like that's totally natural. And for us, it's not just the CS industry going through this. Like there will be versions of this for every industry. I think again, CS is just the one that we've chosen to deploy software. Yeah, the the quality things a really interesting one for me. Uh, you know, we've been thinking of this a lot as well internally. And looking back again, I'm a big believer in like looking back at prior generations of similar tech to understand how this one might play out. And again, with automation, if you go back to like the 1950s, for example, when a lot of like white goods started to become commonplace, mass manufactured, suddenly everyone had like a vacuum cleaner, like a fridge, you know, like all yeah. these types of things. And you know, there's a lot of people employed to do that work, like cleaners and mm-hmm. you know, society looked quite different back then in terms of the makeup of the workforce. And there's a fear then that this would put people out of employment. And that didn't quite happen. It did happen to some degrees, but also people were re- like redistributed themselves into different, yeah. into different areas, like you were saying. But another thing that happened was that the expectations of quality went up in that people expect like cleanliness expectations yeah. went up. So well, if you do have a vacuum cleaner and you do have all this, these like mod cons, then there's no excuse for your house not being like immaculately clean. Mm-hmm. And so this, these expectations of quality went up and a lot of the work required didn't go down. And so I think we might see the same with customer service where today, most customer service teams we speak to are like under pressure. There's a lot of volume, like the internet kind of creates this increasing volume of support questions, especially when you're using chat and the messenger like intercoms, it's super easy to just get talking. So volumes are up, teams are under pressure. What this might do actually is uh, rather than, you know, like take huge swaths of jobs away, I think teams will get smaller, but it might actually increase the quality of the experience. And the expectations go along with that. And so that this kind of rising tide of quality expectations will will rise. Absolutely. And like what that would look like is it would be unacceptable for brands to do anything other than like jump on a video call and like do a bit of screen sharing or co-browsing to try and like really, hey, let me help you out here. Because if you've got true to a human, that's the now the bare minimum that you expect of them. Because the assumption is that like, you know, that they can do that because all of the low hanging fruit support queries have been resolved auto- automatically and in that regard that would be the, the same as just you know expecting a higher degree of cleanliness in the home or whatever right so i think like and a lot of that comes back to that is it the lump of labor fallacy or whatever like this idea of just like you know yes we that that job doesn't exist anymore but now the job that was one downstream of it is actually expected uh, you know to be given to everyone so what used to be white glove service is now the common state i think that's quite likely there are other things that are, I, I think w- would follow suit like I'm reminded of this, um, you know, if you, if you t- take a photo of an office floor from like 1960s, some old black and white thing or whatever, you see like 300 people, pens and paper and all that, like that today is probably one spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Like that's the nature of which technology just changes things. And, and yet those office floors are still full. It's just everyone's doing some higher order of work, right? And I think we'll see versions of that. The other side of it is, is uh, Jevons' paradox that Fergal often talks about, which is this idea that... um as things get more affordable, you tend to do more of them. So it's the same basic idea, but if you can now uh, like deliver world-class customer service and that becomes a way to genuinely distinguish your brand, and you can do that because the cost of it has come down because you can automate so much of the like uh, undifferentiated heavy lifting of it, then a lot more brands will, will go to battle on that and they'll say, hey, we're going to win and we're never going to churn a customer. We're always going to convert a customer because we're going to like lay out the red carpet and the white glove and every bit of experience you could want. And in that world, you start investing more in CS because it actually starts to pay back better. You know, and you, you might like finally see there, this realization of the idea of CS as a profit center, not, not, not a sort of cost center. We don't know. Uh, you know, we have to be honest about that. We don't know. 
I think the least likely thing is, because it just never happens this way, that like, you know, this technology lands and let's say the general average is like 20% inbound displacement or 50% inbound displacement. I think the least likely thing that you'll see happen is just CS jobs worldwide decrease by that exact percentage and we all just got to carry on a better business. That's the thing that definitely will happen. Yeah. Yeah, you talked about it there, uh, different types of ways in which people might be, I guess, redeployed in, in teams and their roles might change. We've obviously been speaking to lots of our customers about how they think about AI, how they think about using products like our new FinBot. We've lots of customers on the beta trying it out. Both sides, them and us, are learning a lot about like what does and doesn't work. But like you said, some amazing results so far. But almost always, there's still a role for the human agents to play too. And one interesting one we've seen that I was kind of fascinated by is some of our customers say, we know that Finn or, or an AI bot can deliver a response faster and arguably more accurate sometimes than a person can. We want people. We actually want people. We, we will differentiate our customer service on people. And maybe that's just for VIPs. Maybe like you said, you mentioned white glove. Maybe there's like an, another level of white glove that goes above and beyond and that becomes the new norm. So what, like what other types of things do you think that people in these next, like proper know, concierge might be a thing, you know, like an onboarding, like, you know, effectively like an in-browser customer success person dedicated entirely to you, perpetually available. Those sort of things are all like industry by industry. It depends on what, you know, there's an LTV CAC dynamic here, of course, but I think we'll see that. But also like, I think there are, there's a classic conversation that, you know, Either it's like high urgency, uh, high emotion, high bandwidth. It's very messy, requires a lot of disambiguation. There's like unknown unknowns. Like, for example, like there's no way Finn or any bot could resolve a query that says like, I don't know if this thing is doing the thing it's supposed to do. Yeah. Right. You're like, what thing? Yeah. Uh, and like, I know you could, you know, I'm sure some like extremely talented product person is going, well, you could infer from the URL and blah, blah. But what I guess what I mean is the customer doesn't know really what they want. They don't know if they're in the right part of the product. And like the best thing to do there is to actually like have say, Hey, talk to me about your business. What are you trying to achieve? Blah, blah, blah. Could a bot do all that? Yes. Is it as good an experience or as smooth as a human? No. As I said, like high urgency, high drama, high emotion. Those are the types of things where humans specialize. I think they're going to like persist and we've seen that persist. There's also like, we're not even yet at the point where like reporting a bug and then testing if it works again after the company claims to fix and all that. There's a lot of that sort of stuff that's like, like classic ticketing as in, Hey, this is actually a longitudinal issue. We're going to need multiple people. It's going to be a back-end change on the business side. They need human approval or they need verification or authentication or they need to change something about how the product works. Then they need to go back to the customer. It's going to be more of a dynamic. Maybe there's more people on the customer side. Like I, I never say never in AI anymore because I've been caught too many times. But I'd say like we're probably ground for the ticketing use case for a few more years is my, is my guess as well. So I think you know, there'll be a lot of stuff we're very used to in the CS world that will still exist long after the bots have had their way. Yeah. The taking one is fascinating to me because oftentimes with technologies, like you could argue with AI and bots that lots of ticketing being this idea that sometimes you need other people in other departments. And so the ticket mm-hmm. must get passed along. Like, hey, I'm owning it now. I've done my bit. I passed to you. Des, you do your bit. Yeah. You pass over to someone else. Then it comes back to me. Then I make it mm-hmm. back to the customer. You could argue that a bot can do that. A bot can do the pass, like the kind of pass along or whatever. But in reality, life's messier than that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's kind of like when you look at the workplace and you think, hey, Slack, email, like these things all work fine. Video calls work fine during COVID when we couldn't meet in person. But then, of course, people came back to the office. Yeah, yeah. 
and in, lots of times did the type of communication that was only possible when you bump into someone in the hallway or you grab someone, you're, you're, in, you're in a meeting room on a whiteboard and it's kind of the fastest, efficient, sometimes only way to get that type of work done. Yeah. So I think this messiness that is just human nature will also persist. Yeah, I also think um, there's like, there's a spectrum of like the ROI of automation in a sense, right? Like, so like the high end for me, like we're, we're like in the support world, automation is at its most valuable or AI or any of those technologies when it removes the entire need for someone to do something. And that's like, so an end-to-end resolution on an inbound query. A step before that would be in say what we released in January, like the inbox chat GPT features where it massively speeds up something that a human has to do, but the human still has to do it. And then a couple of steps even down from that might, might be things like you were alluding to, which is like the bot can infer by a rule when to reassign a ticket or whatever. You know, I wouldn't call that transformative. It's just probably like good, you know, best practice for a platform to know how to reassign something or whatever. Like for as long as there's actually going to be a unit of work there, we can either remove the unit of work, which is what Finn does, right? Or we can optimize the variables around it. But when we're optimizing the variables around it, such as like the the average handling time or the time that it takes for Des to pass it to Paul, the time it takes for Paul to summarize and all that, they're all like second order things. Like they're not as big as getting rid of the thing entirely. So I think like that stuff, whilst it's going to be hugely beneficial, it's not transformative in the same way, in my opinion. We've talked about like the facts. We've talked about the inevitability we feel of this. Also that not all of it's inevitable and actually there'll be lots of movement around jobs, the role of people, human agents and so on. Maybe let's wrap up by talking about the coexistence of bots, AI and people. And like you've touched on different parts of it there. We've talked about like ticketing and the fact that it's messy and so on. But we do see other types of coexistence. Yeah. The new role or support leaders of the future, and with the future, I mean like, you know, mid-2023, right? (laughs) Like, managing the intelligence managing the bots managing the the knowledge management like where do the bots actually get their information from in a sense making sure that, that information is up to date how do we ensure that how do we then how do we measure the performance of the bot if we want to like run two bots off against each other how do we do that how do we measure the customer experience when the majority of it is automated what is a productive human when you're not measuring them on like tickets per day but instead on like the amount of like surprise and delight that they've delivered to the vips that they're managing or whatever so I think like there'll be a lot of work around managing the bots, everything from like tone, manners, when the rules, when do they fire, when do they shut up, how do they know what, when not to intervene, etc. That's one whole body is just a like bot. Like you could call it administrivia, but it's like it's important stuff, right? The knowledge that they consume and how we manage that and keep that really crisp, that's hugely important. Like should the bots read your API docs so they can answer API, API questions? Will they answer them accurately? How do we know? All that sort of stuff, you know, that's a whole new type of work. Today, there are tools like, say, for do like support QA, where you can review like 20 conversations by Paul and see did he get on average five stars? And when he gets it wrong, is it usually in a certain area? There'll be a version of that for bots too. So that's like administration. That's the uh, kind of the management, the knowledge. Then I just think like the actual delivering a proper automation first customer service, which includes, and we'll talk about in a different podcast, like the proactive nature of bots. When should bots choose to? step out and, and like interrupt a person be like hey you're doing this wrong but like there's an entire customer journey and customer experience to be designed in a world that is assumed automation first assumed that humans are only dealing with complex issues and assumes that the, the, like you know the bots can for the most part resolve anything that's a common issue and proactively address things that it's bots going wrong that's not going to be easy there will be new jobs created a lot of the people who are best equipped to take those jobs will be people who have do jobs today. 
And that's back to that idea of the, the lump of labor, like the transposition or the escalation of, of value. I think we'll see all of that play out. And like, we firmly believe that like, you know, humans plus bots is the way. And I think there'll be as much change for humans as we've discussed, you know, new roles, new measures, reports, and then there'll be roles managing the automation. Cause like in the same way there are roles, like we, we used to in software, we used to have every company would have its own server room with its servers in it. And now we entrust all that to the Amazons or the Azures or GCPs, but we still have people who own that. And, you know, they do like, you know, they, they make sure that we have a good setup, that it's secure, reliable, you know, et cetera, fast, performance, blah, blah, blah. All of that's going to have to happen in this world too. And these are just the new responsibilities. Yeah. Just to double down on the content piece. I remember like a prior in my career before Intercom, when I was at Google, we were designing things like wikis and you know, these kind of like knowledge-based type products. And the problem was always out-of-date content. And you mentioned there that like keeping content up to date is going to be critically important. We've already seen with Finn, you know, mm-hmm. lots of our customers with Finn. Finn is amazing at taking in content in seconds mm-hmm. and then be able to answer questions on the content. Like it's really, really good at it. Really, really good at bringing out the right content. However, lots of the content's out of date. And so we're already seeing, you know, our customers concluding we got to update our knowledge base. We got to update our content. We got to keep our articles up to date. And so I do think content's going to be a massive, massive area of investment. And like you said, redeploying people from other types of roles that might be in today could be pretty common. What about reporting? That's a whole other area where like coexistence between humans and bots, you know, today in, in customer service, we have very standard metrics that people typically tend to report upwards yep. and support leaders are measured. The performance is measured sometimes in a pretty cold, calculated way on those metrics. How do you think that might change with bots? I think all the metrics have to change. Like first response time will be zero seconds. Yeah. Full stop. Right. That's not an interesting metric anymore. Right. And likewise, I said, um, the way in which a human will be evaluated will not be like, did you do your 60 cases a day or whatever? It will shift to being like, did you, you know, dramatically improve the quality of life for one of the customers that you engage with? Like, you know, are they more likely to be loyal, stick around, engage more, use, you know, use the product more or whatever? I think you're going to see the emergence of new metrics for humans. I think in a lot of the standard bot metrics will have to be invented from here, honestly, because like response time and handling time aren't the things anymore because time isn't really the thing. But the thing might be accuracy. The thing might be specificity. The other thing that we, we notice a bit, even with Finn, is like once people realize they're talking to a bot, not in a bad way, but they tend to not like treat it like a human for like mm-hmm. obvious reasons, right? And examples of that, like they don't necessarily always say, yes, that answered my question. Thank you very much. I have no further following questions. Off they go. So you might need to do a lot of like inferred metrics, such as like, you know, if somebody asked, how do I add a project? your definition of success of the answer might be did the number of projects that person had increase as opposed to being like, well, they didn't ask any follow-on questions. And so you might have to infer a lot how good your answers are because you can't necessarily rely on humans to like be like, good job, Mr. Bot or Mrs. Bot. They're probably not going to bother. So like because of that, I, I think all your measures of performance around a bot will be like, obviously there'll be basic stuff like, hey, we don't have articles for this or the article we have for that, the customers all said, no, that was out of date or let's assume that's all just classic software development as we know it. But there will be a lot of stuff where I think we will need to do deeper dives to work out, is this actually a strong customer experience or have we just managed to create a type of IV or system true text, right? Which is not a great experience, 
But if you're only metrics are, did it deflect a lot? You might conclude it is. So you, you, we will need to interrogate it from a different angle. A lot of that might be just like spot checking in early days, but I do think at scale we'll need to like look into like aggregating that into like meaningful metrics, as in did the customers end up doing the thing they were trying to do? And if so, like can we determine that the bot helped, hindered, or did nothing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's obvious, I think, to anyone listening, that we believe great change is coming, like a true mm-hmm. period of transformation, like I mentioned. Last question, you know, for people out there who obviously it's human nature to be change averse, it's scary and unknown. Any advice to people who run support teams today who are in that kind of mode? Like, yeah. what should they do to kind of overcome that fear? Or yeah. I think appeal to a lot of like resilience and open mindedness. Like, your, your world is going to change. I think without patronizing these people, I'd struggle to come up with any answer that says, no, your world's not going to change. It is. So, what I would say is learn what's possible, look at the tooling, look, you just play with ChatGPT, ask it some basic questions. Like, if you work in a hotel or an airline or, uh, you know, like whatever, you know, any type of business, play with ChatGPT and ask it the sort of questions you get asked and see how decent its answers are. And, and I, I guess do that in order to make yourself, uh, allow yourself to accept the like changes on the way, right? There's a train coming down the tracks and then investigate the tools that are out there, but also have a think about like, what would you like to happen to your business? If someone told you like, Hey, we can augment your team by reducing the most common you know difficult issues by you know removing many undifferentiated steps that a support rep takes you know i started to think is that possible and how would you make that possible and you kind of get on the front foot versus letting it happen to you say review the tools that are out there the most obvious and tactical thing is like no matter the bot it can only work off information that it has and if you're the sort of org that relies on um, a lot of tacit knowledge or like People learn through osmosis by like sitting beside other people and hearing them on the phone or whatever. The bot will struggle in that environment. Again, I'm sure some of are going to say to me something like, well, OpenAI has this whisper technology that can do like uh, voice to text. I get all that, but like just shh, for a second, I would say like the better documented everything about your business is, the better that automation and AI can help. And the better you can get ahead of this and see the areas where you really want to extract the value then like, you know, the better position you'll be to actually like be a part of the future. There's like a quote by a person who I don't usually agree with, uh, Scott Galloway, who said, um, the AI probably won't take your job, but somebody who's really good at using the AI probably will. And I think that's the right type of paranoia to have, which is like, I can try and pretend this isn't happening, or I can like face reality and say, this is happening. Let's use it to our best advantage. Let's drive business value and let's press on. I think that's the best perspective you can have. Good advice there, Des. Thank you for that. Uh, Practical stuff. To everyone else, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. This is Intercom on Product.